Let's go. Y'all ready to get funky? Oh my. Hey, you dare to think. Pizza's great, but it's not the gospel. This program is closed captioned for the Welcome to the campus of LCMSU, everyone. I am the Chancellor, Pastor Marcus Zill. Green chili for everyone. Hey, who let the campus pastor loose in the studio again? Zilly Zilly. Hi. Warning, the show might trigger you if you don't love the gospel and college students. Reverend Dan Silsley from Wittenberg Lutheran Chapel in Grand Forks, North Dakota, serving students at University of North Dakota. Tell us a little bit about campus ministry there at UND. Yeah, so Wittenberg Lutheran Chapel uh, has been here over 50 years. 1964 is when they started serving here. It's a mission of the North Dakota district, and so Wittenberg is kind of unique in that we're not a uh, we're not a full time you know congregation, a regular congregation that also does campus ministry. We are a mission of the district, and so all of the people who attend here are students at UND. Uh, which is is kind of unique and and a lot of fun. Um, And so, you know, we do probably a lot of the things typical campus ministries do. We have divine service every Sunday. We have Bible study after divine service with lunch, and we have Bible study on Wednesday nights with supper and uh, do various activities throughout the year. And um, it's a joy to serve these students here. Well, anyways, the reason why I wanted to have you on is that you you just wrote a book that just came out, couple of months ago now in early june called misquoted rethinking commonly misused bible verses it's from harvest house publishers but uh, in the beginning of the book uh, i love your introduction i mean usually introductions are, are fairly stale and boring and the first words of your introduction they just they just jump out at you you, you almost it's just this is like the greatest first five six verse six uh, words of an introduction ever the bible is not about you wow the bible is not about you tell us about that why did you start off what, what does that mean and why did you start off that way well uh what it means is that the bible is not about you <laughs> <That is. laughs> uh, wow you just opened my eyes <laughs> No, that's no, that's what it means. No, that's, but it, but it's it's so simple, but it's profound. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Well, and the reason I started that way is because not only does it grab your attention right off the bat, but it it challenges a very very popular idea that this the Bible is all about me uh, as an individual. That it's that I should be able to find myself on the pages of the scriptures. Um, whether that's the scriptures, you know, giving me advice for how to have a better life or um, how to be more successful in some area or whatever, um, but the the Bible just is not about you. It's it's um, it's about it's about Christ and Christ for you. What Christ has done for you. So uh, that's what I meant by that sentence. Is no, the Bible I, is not about you. Yeah. And you know, it's a story of salvation and and story. Not that's maybe not the best word. The um, the the acts of salvation 
through which Christ has stepped into our flesh and conquered sinful sin, our sinfulness and death, and uh, um, and destroyed that final enemy and his, his suffering and and rising from the dead. And so, good thing it's not about me, right? Because right, it wouldn't yeah. be a story of salvation if it was about me. Um, so um, now you start off um, and kind of going in the in your introduction, talking about some some basic presuppositions. Um, a lot of people have presuppositions that they they kind of take when they when they identify the task at hand, and, and you have some too. What are some of the things that that you think that we always have to keep in mind whenever we're going to take a look at the context of the scriptures as a whole in terms of how we interpret things? Yeah, uh, it's it's important to keep in mind that nobody approaches the Bible without presuppositions. I right. mean, everybody is, you can't just read the Bible sort of naively without any kind of presuppositions. And sure. so it's important to know what presuppositions you do have and are those presuppositions informed by the, the scriptures itself. And so, yeah, I list, I don't know, five or six of them here. Um, the first is that the Bible is enough, and it is God's self-revelation to mankind. So if you want to know about God, you're going to go to the place where God has revealed himself, and that's in the scriptures. Um, and because that is the word of God, therefore these scriptures are inerrant and infallible, which means they can't lead us astray. Um, they, they will lead us into the truth, not into falsehood. Hmm. Um, another presupposition is that the Bible uh, does stuff when it is proclaimed. Hmm. It is the, the technical term is it's efficacious. It actually accomplishes something. That when the, the the law and the gospel are proclaimed into someone's ears, the Spirit uses that to actually bring about their salvation, to forgive their sins, to give them the promises of Christ. So that when we're reading the text, we're not just sort of reading a stale book that you know just some guy happened to write. This is God's living, living and active word. Um, another presupposition is uh, the relationship between my reason and the scriptures. So if I encounter something in the scriptures that challenges my reason, um, it is my job to figure out where I'm wrong, not my job to figure out where the scriptures are wrong. Well, that's, that's, a, big, really, that's a big one for people. It, it's huge, yeah, because I want to, Often, as, as sinners, we want to place our reason above the scriptures, um, and that's where we run into problems. Um, and then, important, finally, uh, I presuppose when I encounter the scriptures that they are not about me, but they are all about Jesus. And the reason I have that presupposition is because that's what the scriptures themselves claim. Jesus himself says that these, uh, these words are all about him. And so it's my job, then, to try to find Jesus in every page of the scriptures because he says he's there great stuff yeah well a note on the titles of the book by the way okay. they are they are the claims made by people um the titles are not what i'm putting forth as what the scriptures teach right so the titles are kind of satirical in that way but, sure that's um, pretty important because otherwise if somebody just reads through the titles they're about like this guy doesn't always talk about it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. he's got it all wrong <laughs> So the claim, and you start off, you kind of have a, an interest, you start off with a claim, you have like three C's. Why don't you tell everybody what those are, and it kind of gives us some, some structure to this here. Oh, yeah, so, so for, for each uh, chapter, I have basically three sections. We consider the claim that people make with the verse, 
then we consider the context of the verse, which is so important to understanding God's word. Sure. And then we and then we talk about uh, the comfort that comes when we understand the verse in its context. So that's how every chapter is laid out, and I think I think that's helpful to keep the book organized and and coherent. All right. Last week, we walked through the false claim that God loves you just the way you are from 1 John 4, 8. This week, we're going to tackle this one. God will help you accomplish your dreams. So, have at it. Yeah, God will help you accomplish your dreams. This is kind of a, a popular one um, among among preachers that uh, are actually trying to to bring a word of hope in the midst of suffering. And the suffering that they're trying to deal with is, my life is kind of stagnant, I have all of these hopes and dreams, but I just can't quite get them and reach them. They're just out of my grasp. Um, And so maybe God has something to say on the topic, and these preachers will then bring in God's Word and say, look, here's how God will help you accomplish your dreams. And uh, the verse that I deal with here is from from the Gospel of Matthew, which is a very popular verse, with God all things are possible. And uh, and with those, with, with those words just plucked out of their context, it certainly sounds like these preachers are on the right track. I mean, sure. with God all things are possible. So if you have this dream out in front of you uh, and you can't quite seem to get it, bring God into the picture and he promises it's possible if you would just uh, let him help you. Okay, I'm having Joel Osteen flashbacks. As we... <laughs> yeah. This is basically his entire ministry in a nutshell. It really is. It really is. And I, I mean, it is It is kind of appealing if we're honest, right? Like sure. I, I have dreams that I want to accomplish, and if, if bringing God into my plan will help me get there, Gosh, I'll try anything. You and know, people that, people flock to hear this kind of message. Yeah, that's right. It's a shame it's uh, not true. <laughs> it is a shame. Yeah, I mean, because because in the context there, Jesus is not at all talking about our dreams and our our hopes. Um, in fact, that that those words are uh, a response to uh, the disciples who are actually marveling at a at an interaction they had just witnessed. And so this uh, this guy comes to Jesus and he says, "Hey, what do I have to do to be saved?" And and in the interaction that follows, Jesus uh, basically says, "Look, follow the law." And uh, and the guy he he can't do it. Um, that's ultimately where the conversation comes. And uh, the disciples are watching this and they they say, "Well, who can be saved then?" And Jesus says, "With man, this is impossible." But with God, all things are possible. <laughs> so this is the text of the rich young ruler. And I, I've always loved this text because a guy, and people get confused by this in context because Jesus seems kind of like, why would Jesus tell him what to do? Right, yeah. So what Jesus is, is doing is he's exposing this rich young ruler's uh. sin, right? So this rich young ruler is, uh, is placing his hopes and his faith in his wealth and so it's fascinating. Uh, he asks what he must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus says, well, you know, the commandments, uh, and he lists some of the commandments. And the guy says, I've kept those from my youth. And then Jesus says, okay, one thing you lack. And he adds to the commandments. He ramps up the law. Hmm. He says, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. 
And that word makes the man sorrowful, and he walks away because he has a great many possessions. And so Jesus here is actually using the law as it's intended to be used. He ramps it up so to crush the rich young ruler and show him where true faith should be uh, should find its object, was, which but is But his Christ. goal wasn't to lead him to despair, other than leading him to despair so that he could hear the gospel. But That's right. You know, I always, I always used to explain this text that uh, you, you ask a law question of Jesus, you're going to get a law answer. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. And that's, that's what he does. Um, you, you can't do the law. Um, but, but that's not where... Jesus says, I mean, if this was true, if this claim was true, God will help you accomplish your dreams. And this young ruler is dreaming about being saved and doing his own salvation. You know, Jesus, what he doesn't do is he doesn't, he doesn't say with God, all things are possible right then and there. He saves it to the explanation for his disciples. So tell us more about that. What was he trying to teach his disciples? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, one of the things he's trying to teach his disciples is um, the danger in placing our hopes and our faith in worldly possessions. Mm. I mean, so this is uh, this is the part about it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle sure. than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, not that, not that wealth is inherently evil, but there are dangers that come along with it, and, and Jesus is sure to warn us of those. Um but they're astonished when Jesus says this, and they said, well, then who can be saved? And see, now they're asking the right question. Right. Uh, because now they're, they're seeing, wait a second, uh, if this guy can't be saved by keeping the law, I mean, who can be saved? Right. And Jesus says, with man, that's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And I always like to say, that means even saving your sorry binds. You know? Yes. I mean, so difficult is, or so great is salvation that it requires God's um, doing, not man's. But you know, it's it seems counterintuitive because the world would look at that rich young ruler and say, "But look at all the good stuff that guy's, you know, he's done all sorts of great things. He gives to charity. He, he's doing everything that you would want somebody outwardly to do, right?" But with God, somehow it, it's it's never the way it appears. It's always different, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where is the comfort in this, ultimately? Well, the example I use in the book is uh, I, I received a YouTube video from a parishioner one time uh, in an email. And I opened it up, and it was this this guy with uh, no limbs, he had no arms and no legs. Hmm. And uh, it was his, his story, it was actually very inspirational, about how he had overcome this challenge in his life. Sure. And the whole premise of the video was that he had overcome this premise, or this challenge, um, with God's help. And his verse was, with, God's, with God all things are possible. Um, but, but the the message of the video was not um, was not this challenge has tempted me to lose my faith and God's mercy has kept me in his promises and granted me repentance and forgiveness. The message of the video was I have overcome with God's help and so look at all of the things I can do now. And what was fascinating about that is that the next day I was going to visit uh, 
one of our parishioners who, I mean, she had arms and legs, but um, they were very, very limited function because she had spina bifida. Uh. And uh, if you were to if you were to look at her, you'd say, "Man, she is not going to accomplish much uh, in the world." And in, in the world's eyes, she is not going to look great, and she's not overcoming and being successful. Um, she was bound to a wheelchair, uh, and yet, if you talked to her, you could see her faith, and she knew um, where she stood before God as a sinner who had been forgiven by the shed blood of Christ, and. Uh, and and it was such a juxtaposition to see that video with this guy using God's word in in one way, and then bringing God's word to this woman, um, who who knew the promises of Christ and they were the greatest thing that she cherished, um, and that's where the comfort comes. That even in the midst of suffering, even when there are no hopes and dreams, God's promises are still firm and certain because of Christ and because of Christ alone. And, you know, that's, that's a tough thing. When you think about college students, you know, they come in, they're filled with huge, huge ideas and dreaming big dreams, and they have these, these high ideals. And, you know, we all kind of think, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be, like, super awesome someday. I'm going to be, mm-hmm. you know, the greatest whatever. I'm going to be, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to find a cure for cancer. I, I want to, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a... Uh, I'm going to have 14 million likes on YouTube, uh, you know, whatever it is that they want, whatever their dream is. And, and we don't want to run into, you know, the danger of this passage is, is the despair that would be there. If you get this wrong mm-hmm. and you placed your hope in God to, you're telling God, this is my dream. It's almost like you're turning God into a genie. Yeah, that has exactly. to grant your wish because, well, um, he's going to help me accomplish my dreams, and that's what I, I want to have this happen. But then mm-hmm. it doesn't, or it doesn't mm-hmm. happen exactly the way you want. Isn't there great danger in that, I would think, for our, our young people who already yeah. are filled with these these highfalutin dreams and ideas that sometimes are a little bit pie in the sky to begin with? Well, because it gives false comfort in the midst of suffering. So you had this dream and you had apparently God you, God was on your side with this dream, if you're going to understand this verse incorrectly. Right. And then the dream fails, and now what do you think of God? Well, God, you said in your word that all things are possible with you, but now it doesn't seem that that's uh, You the lied case. to so, me. You failed me. Yeah, you lied to me. Now I'm angry at you, right? When it was actually a false teaching of the verse to begin with that puts them in that situation. And so, we, yeah, we can come along with a more realistic understanding and say, no, God's not in the business of granting your dreams. He's in the business of granting your salvation. And so, as you go about your life as a college student, your perspective is more of, how can I serve my neighbors in my studies? How can I aspire to these things to serve the neighbors that God places in my path, not sort of so I can achieve my goals, you know? You know, I think it... I think it it deserves to be said that Satan's original question in the Garden of Eden, did God really say, doesn't he in a way tempt us to misquote? I mean, because he was such a master at misquoting scripture. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is there. He wants nothing more than for us to to uh, to believe in these false understandings of the, these claims. Yeah. Was it Luther? I think it was Luther who said Satan proclaims uh, 
God's law and gospel, but he flips them around. Sure. And so he proclaims God's law as if you can keep it, and God's gospel as if it's only potential. It could be yours if only you will do X, Y, and Z. Right. And uh, yeah, that's that's very tempting to our flesh, and and frankly, kind of that's the proclamation of the world too, in a certain sense. Um, and so misquoting scripture left and right is is certainly Satan's business. Any final thoughts as we wrap up this one here um, in terms of, uh, of the comfort that we, we have and college students can have as they go through their four or five or six or 27 years of college? And try- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 27, that's a little too much, maybe 18. Uh, well, I, I think one of the greatest joys that I've, I've had as a campus pastor so far is meeting the new freshmen and learning about what they want to do and what they want to study, you know, I love I love hearing the sort of the the hopefulness in their voice. Sure. Um, because I'm going to be I a think, quadruple major and I'm going to have three minors and I'm going to take yeah. a year off and I'm going to go explore in India and yeah. I'm going <laughs> to. That's right. That's right. And and I'm thinking now as I'm listening to them, I'm just preparing for you know halfway through the semester when they come talk to me and they're like. I can't do it. It's too much. And I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And, and, uh, and I, I, I think we can affirm the hopefulness, but also be there when the suffering comes and they realize maybe I need to be more realistic, you know, and then we can bring the promises of Christ in like, you know, yeah, maybe your dreams aren't everything that you thought they were going to be, but that doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. And it doesn't mean you can't aspire uh, using the gifts that he's given you, you know? So I think that's where we can bring the comfort for college students, especially. Well, well, and, and when you think about it, um, part of our task as campus pastors, and fortunately I don't get to serve one as anymore. So I'm very jealous whenever I get to talk to a campus pastor, cause I wish I had your job, Yeah, but, um, you know, is to, is to help, is to help move them from rich young ruler thinking to not thinking about what they want to do or what they want to accomplish, but but reminding them of who they are and mm-hmm. where their identity is found, because that's so easy for them uh, to to lose during these years. Is to you know um, as as these hopes and dreams kind of fade or morph or transition or change or whatever, mm-hmm. that it really is about having that grounding of look, I'm a baptized child of God. Uh, the story of salvation and everything that my Savior did was for me and uh, really that to me is the ultimate task that you have as a campus pastor is to help keep them grounded in that um, rather than the getting them to focus on uh, on themselves because the bible it isn't is, yeah. about them <laughs> yeah i mean it's a fascinating thing that in college you find your identity in your major i mean what are you majoring in that's kind of your identity in college but it's also amazing how often majors switch and so i you know i've just with my pastoral years um, you hear college students kind of losing their identity, and they don't know how to always navigate that. And so being there to remind them, like you said, who they are, that their identity is not bound up in their, their major or their dreams and aspirations, but but in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I, majors come and go. I think the stats are 3.2 times does a yeah, college student right. change. Uh, you know, but people ask them, so, you know, even when they're older and they're out of college, what, what do we ask people? Oh, so you're know, getting to know somebody. So what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, it's always about, well, what do you do? What are you majoring in? It's a, kind of the same question. 
And uh, really, we need we all need this constant reminder of, of whose we are and where our identity is found. Thank you for helping to keep that in the forefront of our minds, Dan. And again, um, next week, we're going to take a look at uh, this is a great one. Um, you're a pretty big deal around here. Uh, looking, <laughs> looking forward, forward to that. To we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Well, that's all we have time for here today in the Student Union. Check out the archives of this program at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help. <laughs>